Sharp Angles Podcast. Dan Pesuda here with Rich Rebar. Rich, here we go. Uh, this is our last show before the draft. Just to uh, jump into some uh, programming notes, we'll, uh, we're going to have on Monday a show with Warren Sharp, uh, Ryan McChrystal, Brandon Donahue going over some draft things as they've been you know, doing a whole bunch of uh, mock drafts uh, and accurately uh those two are two of the like top five uh accurate uh from the huddle report uh of mock drafts over the past five years so they will be doing a very draft centric show uh on monday um and then we will be back on friday uh recapping the first round of the draft so this is going to be our uh last uh pre-draft show so rich how are we doing today yeah, I'm ready too. You know, we're always get the, we're at that <laughs> right. point every draft season, right? Where you're in the weeds on prospects. Almost everyone's at this point picking apart what what a player does bad, and every you start to get like the pessimistic angle on every single player at this point uh, of the draft process. So I'm just ready, kind of for it to be here, and then you get just kind of the, the flood of news and agendas kind of pushed out uh, for teams, uh, like we talked about the Panthers last week. So it's a, we're very much in the mode of don't believe anything season and very much in the mode of like extreme pessimism on every player. <laughs> yeah. Like prep wise, I am nowhere near ready for the draft mentally, very ready for the draft to be here. I think that's, <laughs> I think that's the, that's the split where I'm at right now. Yeah, it's been a unique draft for me just because, you know, it's so edge rusher defensive and like offensive line driven this first round. So it's been a yeah. little bit low, lesser for me. I mean, obviously this wide receiver class is good, but there probably won't be a first round running back taken. We, we would hope that there won't be one, but there, you know, there really isn't that many options. The running back class isn't strong. The quarterback class isn't strong. It's really these wide receivers kind of carrying my level of what I am doing in terms of content creation and I'm in, in the weeds of actual researching these players on. So it's been a unique draft for me too. I'll be all over day two though. Day two, I'm going to be all over a lot of those players. Yeah, there we go. That's, that's where you're going to thrive. Luckily, luckily for that, uh, not writing up uh, prospects <laughs> live because day two would be, that would, that would be a thing. Um, so um yeah, just in terms of all the content we'll have, we'll, we're gonna be back on on Friday morning. We'll have that. We'll have you know so a bunch of written content also uh, on the site. Not gonna be putting anything live at the time, but uh, stay here, follow along. We'll be uh, coming along with with the draft, which is coming up. But uh, what we'll start with today is it's something that apparently happens every other day uh, in the NFL right now. A star wide receiver has requested a trade. Uh, so we got uh, we got Debo Samuel uh, requesting a trade from the San Francisco 49ers. There were talks that, um, you know, the, the contract extension talks had never really completely started. It turns out that might have been more on, on Debo's side than the 49ers side, which I think makes this more interesting and, and different than some of the other receiver moves that we've seen. Um, you know, yeah, the Devontae Adams thing, which was, you know, he wanted to be the, the highest paid uh, wide receiver. We kind of talked about how, why that didn't really make sense at the time. And then, you know, Green Bay did eventually say, okay, we'll do it. And then he said, no, we, I'd rather go play for the Raiders. Uh, the Tyree Kill thing was a similar thing. Uh, Chiefs didn't want to hit the contract point that Tyree Kill wanted to hit after um, that. And now Samuel, it kind of seems like the 49ers are okay paying him. Uh, he might not want to be a part of the 49ers, which um, uh, there's some concerns about his role. And I think like, that's where I want to start here because I feel like we have like a fundamental misunderstanding of what Debo Samuel is and what the Debo Samuel role is. Right. Because I think like after last year, after all of the, uh, like the, the running back snaps he got, like we somehow as, as like a, a general public thinking and talking about Debo Samuel, like made him into this guy who like needs these snaps out of the backfield in order to be productive. And that's just not the case, right? He was fine before they started that, like the, the Debo, that Debo Samuel role started because they had injuries at running back. They had no other way to do it. And, uh, you know, Debo could do it, right? Like he did not need the Debo Samuel role. Like the 49ers needed Debo Samuel to play that role. And like, I think that's, that's a big disconnect that I feel like we've had like in the Debo Samuel discourse right now. Like he was second in yards per route run among wide receivers. Like he's, he's fine. He had the same a dot as Cooper cup, uh, and had like double the yards after the catch. Like Debo Samuel is, is a fine wide receiver. Like it, that is not like someone who needs to be schemed up to be productive. 
Yeah, absolutely. Now, the question is, though, when you go into that, though, is that the 49ers being forced to put Debo Samuel in that spot out of necessity, is that something, though, that they don't want to put back in the bottle either? Right. That's the kind of... I think of, that's like, his concern, right? Right. That yeah. Kind of and like that's what it is. Yeah, and I, there has to be more to it, too. Because if you go to Debo Samuel's, you know, website, his merch website, he's selling wide back shirts, man. Like, he's not exactly running from this. Like, you can buy wide back, wide back merch on Debo Samuel's website. So there has to be more to it as well uh, behind the scenes that we probably aren't privy to, whether it be the actual contract offer, which we don't know, uh, if there is any type of schism between him and the coaching staff or, you know, also, to me, listen, there's a there's still this background element with the 49ers of this this quarterback change. And, you know, you have a guy that, you know, seemingly all the players like in Jimmy Garoppolo. And you have a player that we heard not one thing positive about in his rookie season in Trey Lance. Not one thing positive was talked about Trey Lance's his, his rookie season. Anytime they had to play him on necessity, Kyle Shanahan immediately talked about how he wasn't even ready to play. Uh, and you know, you know, maybe Debo is factoring a little bit of that behind the scenes, you know, we don't know. So there's probably a lot going on here. It's probably pulling from a lot of different areas. Uh, but yeah, you're 100% right that Debo Samuel can actually play wide receiver though. Like that's, that's what you're getting. And you're getting a one-on-one, one-of-one player that in the beginning of the season, when Brandon Ike was in the doghouse, George Kittle's banged up. They leaned on him as an alpha wide receiver. I mean, the dude had what, eight carries through eight games. Uh, he's, he actually played wide receiver. He had a 32% team target share. Over that stretch, he averaged 10 targets per game and over 100 receiving yards per game. Uh, he can absolutely carry an offense to the passing game. Um, on the other side, though, you have to think, too, on the 49ers angle, too, is what if it's not just them trying to factor in, like, this this wide back role into the salary? What about his history? I mean, this is a guy that's been perpetually hurt all the way through college. He's played just 30 games in the NFL where he's played two-thirds or more of the snaps. So like that has to be kind of factored into, and it's got to be factored into why Debo's agency one is picked this timing right before the draft, which is the most optimal time to try to, you know, get something pushed through. Uh, and then also following these wide receiver contracts, this is the most optimal time to cash in from his camp as well. So there's a lot of things moving around here and orbiting the situation. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of like aspects to this, especially because it kind of seems like because this was something that, you know, the 49ers are at least, willing to you like you said we don't know the full extent of uh, a contract offer that was given but the 49ers seem willing to give an extension and like they will want to pay Debo Samuel which does make it you know a little different than some of those other wide receiver deals that we've you know talked about in the past so it does seem like the 49ers aren't in a rush to trade Debo right so I think that that slows down like what we're going to be talking about as like an end game here. I think a, a little bit where there might not be the urgency. Um, like I, I don't think Debo's going to, you know, sit out. Uh, so it, that, but what situation a, like this ever does not fall in the favor of the player actually getting what they want. Sure. But I, if there's something that gets worked out, right. Like I, I still think it can get worked out with San Francisco because I, I don't think, like the, the 49ers as a team are going to come into this thinking that like they want to work this out. Um, I think you, you got to like, when you look at the Devontae Adams and the Tyreek Hill, like this just became a, a thing where the, at the point of the contract where one side was really like, no, that like this isn't going to work. And for, you know, the, like the Packers, even though like they, they did offer that contract that would have matched what the Raiders were going to give, like they, they did need to make, a move though because like they have Aaron Rodgers in the last couple years like they they need something uh in return like quickly um I, I know like the 49ers are again in we're in the NFC championship like but they like I, I don't think there's you know pressing need um to to force something here uh I think they they have a little bit more time to to kind of work out this relationship um so and, and I think that's kind of what what makes this uh, a little different. And it, like, if I, I don't think they'll want to rely on Debo so much as like that that wide back, right? Because I, I think in in terms of what they want to do, like I'm sure they would rather have, um, you know, a, a fast running back uh, back there being able to, you know, take those balls to the house while Debo Samuel is, you know, out either, you know, in the slot or, or wide. Like, I think functionally, that's 
would they'd rather have their offense be like that. And I think like we we talked about this last year when it happened. Like mm-hmm. part of what made this like really interesting is because especially when um like so many of Debo's the carries came like from 11 personnel and yeah. you know the 49ers started using that more than they have like it, it by the end of the season it was like over half of their snaps which is just not something that the 49ers do what made that really interesting is like opposing defenses didn't know how to like defend it they they didn't know what personnel the defenses should put on the field to stop uh, San Francisco's 11 because it's it's not a, a usual 11 and I think like that's something that the 49ers can still use you don't necessarily need Debo Samuel standing in the backfield right so uh, like I when I wrote this article uh, I think like it just uh, like as the playoffs were starting um, early downs in the NFL uh, defenses use base defense against 11 a six percent of the time uh, against San Francisco it was 19 percent um they use nickel uh 86 of the time league wide against 11 it was only 74 percent uh against san francisco so like that's that's one of those things that, that debo does bring and when they use that type of you know personnel but I, I don't necessarily think you need debo to be in the backfield for that and um yeah i think that's something san francisco could probably they they don't need him to do that so i think they can shy away so i'm not like completely worried about that but i i get where debo is coming from right like you are a guy who has had an injury history you don't want to be put in the position that historically has like the highest injury rates and like why we don't draft running backs highly right like you don't want to be put more in a position where that value is is devalued um and you're taking more hits right debo samuel can make so many guys miss in the open field that's harder to do when you're running between the tackles like even five times a game um so i I get his like disinterest in wanting to do that role like more full time like i I get it that like he was like i'll yeah i'll help the team when they came to it last year um but having that like be what is his like actual role going forward like i'm not sure how much that helps the either party though like if we're looking at 2022 and beyond. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure. I mean, I'm not Debo Samuel. I mean, I think that football players want to get the football as much as possible. I think he just wants to be compensated for that. Yeah. I think he just wants that. I think he's fine with still being the wide back, even if it was to the extent of last year, although I'm with you, I don't believe that it would be to the extent uh, that it was you know necessarily used at the end of last season. But I just think it all comes down to, yeah, either being compensated or there's something else tacked on here behind the scenes that we're not privy to. Uh, that he would want to, you know, change organizations. So we don't really know all of that. But I, I mean, I I know that like football players and <laughs> like those dudes want the football, man. Like, you know, as long as you're getting paid for it. So I mean, if, as long as he's getting compensated as as like a wide receiver, or even more. We don't know. Also, maybe they want more. Maybe they want something like that is extra, right? Because he is a one-on-one player. But the part like you hit it on. This is why I don't think that that why uh, I've said that you don't want to put this back in the bottle is because of that. And I think other teams obviously won't be able to copy it because you don't have players that can do it, but that 11 personnel, that the defensive, the defensive matchup element is the part that is the, that's the leverage point, right? That's the whole leverage point of this whole thing. So if you have guys that can do that, I mean, you're, and now you're dictating to the defense and now the defense has no idea what you can do because you can come out in personnel because they're just matching up by what you're putting into the huddle. And Debo doesn't have to line up in the backfield, like you said, but they have to account for it. So, I mean, that that's what makes this thing so unique, and that's what kind of stirs the whole thing. Um, but, yeah, I expect them to still draft a running back or, you know, maybe give Trey Sermon some actual playing time this year. But uh, we know that he was pressed into that situation last year just based on the, the, the running back depth was exposed in the 49ers last year. I mean, Elijah Mitchell ended up missing three or four games due to injury. Sermon never got out of the doghouse. Uh, Jeff Wilson never, like, bounced back off that knee injury and was never explosive, and they had to play him in that role. Uh, but because of that, what opened up, like you said, and what Kyle Shannon discovered, oh, we can now go play a lot more 11 personnel. And you think that when you do you incorporate a guy like Trey Lance, you can do a lot of things because he's probably not going to take uh, nearly as many snaps under center, you know, as, as you would with Jimmy Garoppolo. And they moved Jimmy Garoppolo totally away from that into the shotgun last year, too. So it just opens up so much ability uh, for the offense to have just a tactical leverage on a defense. And that's the part I think more teams are more interested in. Not just saying we got to find us a Debo. It's find us a player that can give us another terms of leverage on defense, which is all we're looking for. Because all you need is a little bit of leverage in the NFL. 
Right. And that's, that's kind of what the Shanahan system has been all about. Right. And like the, the 11 personnel was just like a, a new way of doing it. Like this is mm-hmm. a team that has consistently like this is why a Cal Yushek is paid as like the highest fullback in the league by like a significant amount, like more relative to his position than like any other player who's on on top of uh, the market um, because Yushek is like that that tight end uh, fullback hybrid. So when you're in 21 personnel, you don't necessarily know what the 49ers, like the 49ers can be running empty from, from 21. Um, and like it, it almost like works as like 10 sometimes, like, because they have a uh, check, they have Kittle, like they have these players who can do mm-hmm. so much. And, and that's what makes the 49ers so dangerous and, and using that 11 personnel package and, and being able to move Debo around is, is what, uh, just another element of that it added another layer to what San Francisco could do that you just you had no idea where they were coming from, which I think brings like the the other dynamic here. Like if there is a trade, like I, I think we're overreacting to like Debo Samuel needs like Kyle Shanahan to like make him useful. Absolutely not. Right, right. I, we're we're totally overstating that, but I, I think we can also say this is probably the most, like the the most perfect place for Debo. So, it, like, if you do trade for Debo, like, are you getting the most that you potentially could? Like, did we just see, like, not to knock anything like Debo Samuel like will do in the future, but like, did we just see? the best season we're going to see from Debo Samuel. Um, so does that make like, if you are trading for him, you're now a high pick, you're a new contract, which I think we, we overstate a little bit. I think I, there's, I think some parts of like the, the football commentary that as soon as like you're trading a draft pick and have to give a new contract, like the, the trade is automatically bad. And I don't think that's the case um, at all, but I do think you have to like, think about what you are getting from Debo if you are a team that is going to be trading for him. Like, are you trying to recreate exactly what we just saw in, in 2021? Or are you kind of realizing, like, we might not get peak 2021, but, like, we're still getting one of the best wide receivers in football? Yeah, and that's why I think it's more compensation-based maybe as an element here because whatever team is going to acquire Debo Samuel is going to want to utilize him in a similar fashion to what we just seen, right? Like, you know, that, that's what you're getting. He's the type of player he is, but he can be a lot more than that. Like you said, um, but there's no way that they're going to, like I said, it's just too hard to put that back in the bottle. Like, you know, just keep going back to that phrase, but there's no doubt. We probably just saw the best statistical season from Debo Samuel. There's really no, it's going to be really hard for him to replicate what he did. You know, 1700 yards led the NFL in yards per catch. Uh, he had a 13% rushing touchdown rate. He had 16 touchdowns, including the postseason, and just three came inside of 10 yards. Like those are things that just aren't sustainable to carry over uh, in terms of top-notch output. So yeah, you probably we probably did statistically see the best season that we will have for Debo Samuel. But also, like, can he? Does that still mean that he's not a top 10 wide receiver? Absolutely not. I mean, he's and especially what he brings to the table. Um, and th- yeah, I just think the timing of this too, especially from you know his camp to push the 49ers because it puts pressure on the 49ers because you know if this is not repairable internally. We've seen this time and again, the player always wins, right? Like the team never wins in these situations. They eventually have to move on from the player. Uh, Does that put pressure now on the 49ers to say, all right, can we recruit multiple picks in this draft that has wide receiver assets? Uh, Maybe they like a guy like Traylon Burks who can do some things, right? Um, You know, can they recoup? Because this is a team that wants to win now, obviously. So it's not, it's definitely not in a rebuild. So the, the, the timing of this from Debo's camp actually is well struck as well for the same uh, type of gaining leverage, like the 49ers gain leverage on the field uh, against the opponents. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's, again, this is like an interesting dynamic because like it's, it appears like from the reports, this uh, trade request was given like last week. Um, so it's been something that's kind of been working. Uh, Debo had that, that tweet, um, and, uh, yesterday that I think was very like quickly deleted uh, that like reporters are only here to like make stories. The only people who know what's going on are like me, my agent and the 49ers, but like the original report um, was from uh, Jeff Darlington who the, reported very clearly. I 
just spoke to wide receiver Debo Samuel. So it was a direct report. It wasn't sources close to Debo Samuel. It was I spoke to Debo Samuel, uh, who has asked for a trade. I didn't wa- did not want to discuss specific reasons behind the request, but he has indeed let the 49ers know his desire to leave the organization. So like that, that very clearly, like we we know what happened there. Um, like there was a formal request. It we've we got that information straight from the player. Um, so again like yeah this is uh, this isn't uh, quite uh, Aaron Rodgers um the the potential trade request that we got like the day of the draft last year uh we're we're getting this uh, a little bit beforehand but yeah like you said like i i i don't think the 49ers need to be pressed like i said but i think that like you do need to figure out if this is a relationship that is going to work long term and you have like no, a little under a week to i guess you know really to figure that out um and see if if it is the long-term play so if if Debo does get moved is there is there a place where you would like to see him go do you have like an ideal fit I mean fit wise I mean obviously what I would say like maybe it's something like the Chiefs would be possible I mean obviously the Jets are the one team that has like the combination of both draft capital and cap space like when we've seen them, the Jets have been hunting for a wide receiver this entire offseason. They've been linked to Tyree Kill. Yeah. They've been linked to a month, a bunch of free agents. All they've come out so far is re-signing Braxton Berrios. That's uh, <laughs> literally all, all they've come out with all this. So, I mean, we know that they're either going to be aggressive and draft a guy probably at pick 10 or use some of their capital to, you know, acquire one of these wide receivers that are in these. Because not just Debo, too. Like we're having – we've talked about this for weeks, about this the wide receiver in this 2019 yeah. wide receiver class because – all of the hits almost outside of have all been non-first rounders. None of these guys have fifth-year options. DK Metcalf, yep. second rounder. AJ Brown, second rounder. Debo, second rounder. Terry McLaurin, third rounder. Deontay Johnson, a third rounder. All of these guys, these teams are all now put into a pressure point, a pressure point based on how this offseason has gone. And Debo's just another like Debo's not gonna, he's not the end point. He's still just another fulcrum point in this in this whole never-ending thing here uh, of this from that 2019 wide receiver class. Um, so I'm really curious to see how that is still impacts this draft, right? We've talked about this a couple of times too, how it impacts how the wide receiver position is drafted, because I believe that the top five wide receivers are all going to probably be gone by pick 22, 24. And does that mean like a George Pickens, a Sky Moore, a Christian Watson now become first round picks because of that, you know, the fifth year option might mean more at wide receiver than it does at any position. But, uh, uh, yeah, I would say the Jets probably would have to be the front runner in terms of obvious spots. The two spots that I always see keep seeing linked that I just don't see an avenue right now, and granted anything can happen, are the Colts and the Bears. I just don't think that they have the draft capital to, to pull yeah. the trade off. Uh, you know, neither one of them have a first round pick. Their second round picks are lo- both lower than the Jets. The Jets have two second round picks ahead of both the Colts and Bears. Uh, so they can even offer both of those. Uh, I, I really think that it's going to be hard for those two teams to try to offer the 49ers an, uh, an enticing package. But you would have to assume it's an AFC team for sure, though. Yeah, you would think so. Um, I mean, if, we, if, if we're doing, like, ideal and probably what won't happen, like, the Chargers send the 17th pick to, to the 49ers, get Debo, um and and like i've seen like some people say like yeah and then you have like three wide receivers making 20 million dollars a year like who cares i don't care you have three good wide receivers fine to pay them you have uh one of the best quarterbacks on the league in in the rookie (laughs) like if we're going to say how big of a uh of an advantage having a quarterback on a rookie deal is uh don't the bitch about like whether you're you have to pay like other stars like that's that's the point (laughs) that's the point i don't care if you have three wide receivers making 20 million dollars or not if they're three good wide receivers and you're going to be the best offense in the league um like just just do it um that also like keenan allen is only short term like you're probably going to get out of that contract in the next year or two anyways uh i don't yeah i'm totally on board with you I, i like that fit i mean they'd be awesome to watch like how like I, I know they like still like would need a little more speed, but it makes their early down mm-hmm. passing make a little more sense if you're still going to have like that that low A dot. Uh, I think that that opens up some things. Um uh, like if you have Debo and uh and Keenan Allen like in the middle of the field, like well, what, and Eckler. Yeah, right. Uh like what what are you doing? Like that like that's that's an offense that can and, and they still have the cap room right they have like 18 million dollars uh in cap space uh per the um the nflpa uh public salary cap report uh which is 
uh, updated as of Thursday morning. So like they still have the ability like and they if they wanted to do an extension like they can do that. Um, and like you're, you're not going to get in trouble with extensions like for good players. You're, you're just not um, when you start giving like extensions to yeah. To players like who who don't deserve it, and you're doing that on the open market, like that's when you start getting in trouble with with these bigger deals. Um, but like if and even if Debo plays like ten games, like you're you're still, uh, especially if you're the Chargers, because you have those two other wide receivers, like you're going to be okay, right? So like in in terms of of having a an inexpensive position there. Like you're you're not going to be like if you're the Jets and you're trying to like pay Debo if Debo only plays ten games uh, from some injuries or whatever like you're and you're the Jets you're still kind of screwed if you're the Chargers you're you're going to be all right um, and, and I think they like they they have a lot built in where they can like have three of the top paid players at the position and it, it's not going to matter um, by the time you have to do that Herbert extension like you can you can figure out the cap at that point and like you can. You figure out the cap for for good players, right? Um, like that—that's how the salary cap uh, you can you you can play with it. Um, when like you're you're the Saints right now, like which we've talked about, it it made more sense when Drew Brees was on the team. Um, it doesn't quite make as much sense doing whatever they're doing now. Like there's there's levels to when you should be playing with the cap, uh, and having Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and and Debo Samuel. Uh, on massive extensions is fine when you have Justin Herbert. And then when you have Justin Herbert, who at his extension is going to be like 25 years old, uh, it that's fine. I, I don't see a problem with it. Pay good players. That, it, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, no, that would be, that'd be a fun. Option. I don't know if I'd I'm getting kicked out of like, the, uh, of, no, of no. losing my like analytics nerd card uh, for, for that take. I, I don't know because apparently like paying extensions is bad. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, do it. Like, no, I mean, these I, are the extensions. I'm problem. totally with you. These are the extensions you want to give out. You don't like, they're probably more in trouble with the contract they gave to Mike Williams than they would be to yeah. Debo Samuel. Uh, absolutely. And then, you know, the, the two NFC teams that probably have the ammo, but I don't know if they, you know, obviously we haven't seen the Packers make a move like this, uh, you know, since Brian Gutekunst has been there. So, like, this would be kind of like out of their shoes a little bit. Uh, but they do have the ammo. And then the Eagles still have the ammo too. They're always, you know, do they just say, hey, we, we're tired of drafting wide receivers. Uh, let's get one that's actually proven to be good. Uh, and obviously he would fit Debo obviously fits a lot of what the Eagles did offensively in the back half of last year as well. But like, like you, I don't want to also pigeonhole Debo Nix. Like I just think Debo fits whatever system you're running because he is a one-on-one -on -one player. He can play alpha wide receiver. He can play wide back. You can do so many different things with him that I don't really think that there's a, a necessarily a bad scheme fit for him. Yeah. I think that's, that's, uh, that, that's I think the the biggest thing we should take away here from from the Debo Samuel conversation is that so far the Debo Samuel conversation like has been bad and like misrepresents what Debo Samuel is and like that that's kind of been my biggest issue with with some of the things going on and like we, we kind of even talked about it when we were talking about like this wide receiver uh, draft class and how they're like when you looked at either like Traylon Burks or, or whatever when you like brought up the Debo Samuel role it like was kind of like a backhanded compliment that like this guy needs to be like schemed open or whatever and just like going back to that it just felt like we we weren't talking about Debo in the right way yeah. um and like he's just like, he's good yeah. like it's that's just it's like that one, one of those things that just like uh... it, it takes it it just takes like a, a life of its own right now and it feels like we have mm -hmm. to like do some work to to rein it back well, like I said, we're, we're always, you're always going to have whenever something big happens, uh, the teardown element, right? Whether it be the player, the deal, whatever. That's just how the world works, right? Like everyone wants to do the teardown of why this is, why this could be a mistake, right? And so I, like I said, I go back with, when you think about we keep bringing up the Debo role around the draft, to me, it goes back to that conversation we had, just that, that tactical leverage. I think teams want to be able to just have that little bit of edge, have a player where we can come out in 11 personnel and the defense has no idea what the hell we're going to do. And that's like, you know, the the element of like a Wandell Robinson or something like that. Like, you know, that's why those players are finding a little more hopefully nuance in the NFL. But, you know, we haven't seen it, you know, fully manifest the way that we've seen the levels of Debo do it at the back half of last year. Yeah. And that's that's definitely the case. And like, yeah, that's that's why people are, are searching for 
that should be what we're talking about with with the Debo Samuel role. But again, it's it it hasn't felt that way. No, it um, hasn't at all. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see like what this this does mean for Chiefs. Should be super fun though. I mean, the, the Chiefs they, moving on from this offense that kind of uh, we've seen at multiple points the past years, like not totally like figure it out, but then they're going this whole new direction where you because. You got you'd have Juju and you're at you still have Kelsey. Like they would be, they'd be a lot of pretty unique offense. Yeah, it certainly would be the case. It, I think I've seen some reports that it they appear to be yeah, like sitting sitting it out right now, at least like this off season as they kind well, of because they didn't pay Tyreek, so you would figure that probably is part of the process, right? Right. Yeah, and I think the. And that and that's kind of adds another element to to the Debo thing too. Like, what exactly does this contract need to look like? Because we we talked about like these these contracts and like there was there was that weird article on the Athletic, was maybe Wednesday, uh, maybe Tuesday at everything about the wide receiver contracts. And there was like an assistant coach in the league who said it's a hundred percent Christian Kirk's fault. Um, which one that like, happens unless... every year though we yeah, talk no, about no, no. Yeah, right. every year right so like <laughs> un... it, it, it's a very weird one like for an assistant coach to be like that confident in the market which unless this is like the most powerful assistant coach in the league like probably isn't really dealing with like contracts and and value there um and like christian kirk had really has like very little to do uh with what this wide receiver yes market looks like like we've we've talked about it and i like won't go into it again but it's like it all comes back to that deandre hopkins extension having that 27 and a half million dollar number out there as like fake as it was it put a number that these new receivers who were looking for deals wanted to hit that's that's why the Devonte adams deal is the way it was structured that's why the tyreek hill deal is the way it was structured like these guys aren't making 30 million dollars a year um but um again like that that number is something that is out there and is is going to be hit now and you need to be able to structure your contracts in, in a way again i'm like i'm repeating myself for for multiple things but it, it seems like we continue to like lose that yeah. train of thought also like there's a direct line between deandre hopkins and what is happening uh, with the wide receiver market right now like it has nothing to do with christian kirk like it this coach like put a hundred percent of the blame on on kirk and uh it, like it's closer to zero than a hundred Absolutely. I mean, we see it every year that the, whoever the top wide receiver free agent that's available gets immensely overpaid every offseason. It was, you know, go down the list every just go every year and look at it. It's definitely not Christian Kirk's fault. And all and all the wide receivers that have gotten paid to this degree absolutely warrant to be paid at that level they've been paid at. Right. Whether it's not your right. your your. Not the dynamic you want to go the route of your team organization of, of doing it, but the players that have all gotten the huge contracts, Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, and Tyree Kill, guess what? They're three of the best five wide receivers in the NFL. Like that's it's, and it's, imagine it's like happen. what that would have looked like if they were in Christian Kirk's position where they actually hit free agency. Yeah. Like these contracts would look insane. And that's what we talked about, like what Lamar is almost trying to do, right? Like Lamar Jackson is actively trying to hit free agency, his camp. And like they're the, like they're not going to be able to because of the, the the box they're put in by the NFL restrictions. But that's what they're trying to do. And yeah, if Tyreek Hill was a wide open free agent this year, he probably he may have been even better. Where a team didn't have to give up just, just give up salary. Like, come on. Yeah, yeah, we're yeah we're never <laughs> going to see that type of quarterback yet because he'll he'll be franchised to until death. Like, uh, a contract or a, a quarterback of Lamar Jackson's stature uh, is going to get like the, the Kirk Cousins like three tags. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't it doesn't really matter the how expensive those tags eventually get. Um, but yeah, and I think like we're we're seeing that now for for top of the market wide receivers also like and they I think they've they've realized that I think their agents have realized that where again like even if you have to have like some dummy and not even dummy years but just like you fluff up like the final year of a contract that's never going to be real either you're going to get cut or there's going to be an extension or a restructure at yes. that point at the last part of the year it doesn't matter like that number is out there and you're structuring a way 
uh, for for those contracts to to look the way they are. Um, and I, that's that's the shift that we're seeing. And um, it's it's a real interesting dynamic between the player and and these teams who like are going to want to pay these guys, but also are going to have to be okay structuring these contracts in that way. Uh, and and we've seen it, um, you know, with you know you know the the, the raiders are, are a little desperate um you know the i think the dolphins are a little desperate so we've seen like those teams that are that are willing to do it but uh i'll hit we'll see how other teams are going to be when like uh, the like you said the, the rest of these guys coming up um aj brown and terry mclaurin um man uh, terry mclaurin seems like like a really nice guy um Maybe too nice at this point. Like Terry McLaurin, like start start sending some cryptic tweets, man. We need to get you out of Washington. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Willis said that whole class, man. We haven't heard really any like the DK hasn't really voiced anything. AJ Brown started the tweet a little bit because he's obviously has the same represent. He's the same exact agent as Debo Samuel. I think it was also reported that he would not show up to um, like the the voluntary offseason workouts, which like fine. Uh, yeah. Unless, unless, like again, it's going to be like his—he's been in Tennessee for a while, the second year in the system. Like you're not missing much in like an April workout. I think like if it be, it's a different thing for voluntary. Like we had a thing going on with with the Giants here, where uh, Kadarius Tony did not show up to the voluntary workouts um, mm-hmm. after after his very up and down season, and uh, and now a new coaching staff. He has not gotten the playbook yet, which which is a thing. Um, but like if you're AJ Brown. And you're like kind of sitting out for a new contract. I, I don't think that matters. Uh, your your April workouts are, are not going to make that much of a difference um, in how well you play uh, come September. So um, the interesting we'll thing too that. is like uh, out of all these teams, like the one that makes the most sense to be traded is DK Metcalf, and like we really haven't right. gotten gotten there. Like if you're I mean, Seattle, like I we were we were talking about a DK trade like as before like when the Russell Wilson trade happened, like before the receiver market really got weird, um, just because like that's the only asset Seattle really has. Uh, so if you're... Do you think this uh, slowed down his market at all? Probably not, right? I, I don't think so, because I think as soon as Seattle would say, uh, we are interested in trading DK Metcalf, like there would be plenty of teams lining up to trade for right. DK Metcalf, because they should. Like DK Metcalf is really good. Um, yeah. So... Um, but if you're yeah, Seattle, I, I mean, you got us. I feel like Seattle, and we did because we just did their team right up last week after we did the last podcast. And like, and for me, I still feel like they've got one foot in, one foot out, and it's not going to work that way. Yeah, it's especially like looking at their their defense. Um, I mean, they're it's fun uh, on the interior defensive line, which is kind of like where they're built up. Um, you know, you still got Puna Ford stuff, but like at edge, I. I don't, I'm not totally sure what you're doing. Um, you're kind of betting on like Darrell Taylor to like really break out as a guy. So like, um, and, and corner is kind of like the same thing. Um, you're kind of like hoping some guys hit like, so I'm not sure this defense is, is going to be that good. And then when you look at offense, like it's it, Drew Locke versus Geno Smith is, is going to be your, your quarterback <laughs> competition. So, um, the offensive line is an absolute nightmare. I mean, yeah, it's absolutely brutal uh, right now. The offensive line. I mean, you and and you're probably not going to take a quarterback at nine. So you you they'll probably take a quarterback with one of their picks in the second round at forty or forty one, and just give that guy a but, shot. Okay. Right? So is that is that even worth it? Because uh, no, can, it's not. But so so we do. can right. So <laughs> but we can we can pivot here to do like our, our little bit of draft talk because i uh i just wrote about kind of like the the accuracy of some of these quarterbacks um this past week like looking at we've we talked about it a little bit when we had our our quarterback show um but when uh you know really breaking it down i looked at you know where these guys were accurate into like which parts of the field and it I think it got me more pessimistic about this quarterback class and that already like was not too, um, too optimistic to, to begin with. Um, I'm still in like Malik Willis or, or nothing, but, um, and I think that kind of, that goes to it. Like, e- even if you're like the lions, I like Matt Corral at 32 is a worse pick and like, 
puts your franchise back more than like Malik Willis at two. Like Malik Willis at two is it's smarter pick than than Macarrow at thirty two, right? Because you're, you're still using a first round pick in the back part of the first round. Um, so like you're still pretty invested in this guy and then you're getting a significantly worse quarterback so like if you are a team like detroit and you're thinking about that like just do it at two um and and get the the better quarterback with the trades Um, (laughs) yes like significantly so like especially when looking at like at at a matt corral um who is probably going to be like the guy teams are are thinking about at like that back half of, of the first round and he just like he Seems like doesn't him or really are the two guys like that get kind of pushed. Yeah, out. and he just like doesn't really have the accuracy anywhere. Um, so like he he's not he's like has bad um, like short area accuracy like from one to ten. Um, and if well, like an R- and if right, right and if you're an RPO guy and you can't throw like accurately within ten yards of the line of scrimmage, like what what are we doing here? Um, they're like. So like we can like knock the Dolphins offense with with like Tua last year, but like he was de- like deadly accurate like on those short area throws, and like they weren't necessarily valuable. But like he can put the ball where it needs to be when he's throwing there. Like the, for Corral, like it wasn't, and and that was part of of the Ritter thing too. Um, Ritter had the worst uh, in this class the accuracy from one to ten yards past the line of scrimmage, and that's like not great um and like we we talk about how valuable um you know it is to like throw intermediate and deep but still like half of the throws in the nfl come between one to ten yards mm-hmm. um and that's just where where the nfl teams and nfl quarterbacks live um and the best quarterbacks are getting the most value like 11 or more yards down the field but you still like have to have what that is uh, in, in one to ten um and like Ritter just wasn't accurate there. And those were some like spurts uh, in bad accuracy, like in other places. Uh, but for, again, like a, a, such a quick processor that like Ritter like certainly is. And I understand like why the people who like that type of quarterback like but Ritter. But it's getting because, double like, counted at this point. So like right. Ritter's getting bonus points for doing stuff the other guys didn't do, but he's still projection and doing that better at the NFL level. Right. Yeah, and and doing it accurately. So like he's he's I think such a quick processor that like he he does give himself like a little margin for error, right? Like so it's not like he's inaccurate and late. Um which which would I mean, I think yeah, it would make him undraftable. So like he's getting talked about where he is be like because he can process and maybe you can help with the accuracy a little bit. And I think that's kind of what you're banking on there. But Again, like under seventy five percent on target rate uh, from one to ten yards past the line of scrimmage, and like that's that's not great. And then when you look at like he was a guy that wasn't pressured ever at yeah he was he had the second lowest pressure rate of quarterbacks in this draft class. So like, and then when you saw when he was pressured, it just completely it wilted. Yeah, Um, and then like when you look at again in in the short area, which is I think where a lot of like this kind of focus was, because again, so many passes go there. Like that is where like if you talk about Kenny Pickett being accurate, like that is where he is accurate. Like that was um, among the top in the class. But Malik Willis was was right there, like almost the same on target percentage to that area of the field, Um, and like did not have as many like schemed open and like over the middle kind of throws as Kenny Pickett did. And I have, and even though like Malik Willis had like that terrible on target rate uh, from 11 to 19 uh, in the intermediate range, uh, like 45%, right? The year before he was at 75%, which would have been like one of the best um, on target rates uh, in this class. And like, even like looking at last year's class too. So you kind of wonder like what happened there. He threw way more to the outside um, this past year. And so his like all uh, more than half of his intermediate throws, like were to the sideline, uh, which it it makes them a little harder. Um, But again, like even with that, I still have more confidence in what Willis can do like past 10 yards um, past the line of scrimmage, like then Kenny Pickett, because again, like we talked about with Pickett, uh, like every time I would watch him like throw a deep ball, it was just like, oh, Jordan Addison is really good, um, and uh, and Kenny Pickett's not bringing Jordan Addison with him to uh, to the NFL. Um, That's you know, how maybe, I was maybe, with Manziel when Manziel came out. And maybe maybe Manziel, in a couple. I, was like, of I don't know. Everyone saw Manziel. I'm like, I don't know, man. Mike Evans looks really good. <laughs> but like, yeah, I think if you, if you look at like Kenny Pickett's deep ball, which again like was fairly accurate, um, and uh, w- was completed often, but. Uh, 
it, Jordan Addison uh, made up for um, 51.4% of the deep targets, 56.5% of the catchable deep targets, and 55.3% of Pitt's receptions, um, and 58.4% of Pitt's deep receiving yards. Um, and then on throws, on deep throws not to Jordan Addison, the catchable ball rate was only 47%. Um, so like there's, there's a big difference there, um, when you're throwing to, uh, the best receiver in college football, uh, who like won the award for that and, and not. And so, uh, I think like that's, that's, again, it continues to be a big hesitation on, on what Kenny Pickett can bring uh, to the next level, especially like he's erratic in the pocket too. Like he, he's not a fast processor. Um, so it just, uh, this, this did not help me. Sometimes this like helps me find, um, like some quarterbacks who are going to be, you know, maybe good and we're underrating somebody, but uh, I, I didn't really see that. And so I'm, I'm also is more, more solid on the stance of like Malik Willis or, or nothing. And, but so to, to go back to like what started this, if you're like taking a quarterback in the second round, I just, I don't know how that helps you at all. Cause I don't see like any of these guys being like under the radar type things. And like, again, this is like the, this accuracy thing is usually like where you can find um, maybe like a, a second or third round guy. So it's, it's a reason I liked Tyler Huntley so much because like he had like best in class accuracy to like all three levels. So like he was an underrated guy and there's just, there's no one in that class this year. It, they're just not, as good as they should be. Um, so like trying to hit on a, a second or third round guy. Um, yeah. I don't think that's a smarter deal because there's no one willing or capable um, or worthy of going in the first. Um, I think that kind of makes the second and third round picks even worse because you could get players that are actually going to play for you. Um, and this is, it's just like, isn't a good class. Yeah, I mean, that's where it all starts. So, I mean, positional allocation, though, and then in terms of, like, hit rates getting significantly staggered across the board, uh, I don't have any problem, really, with taking, like, a bite at the apple because the contractual leverage you run into, right? Uh, I don't believe any of these players are good, though. That's what it stems back to. Uh, but, like, you know, like Jalen Hurts and stuff like that, you're not getting one of those types of players. But I don't I, I don't. Right, like, that's, like that's the kind of bet. If you're going to take that that – that like second or third round bet like you do it on a guy like Jalen Hurts and there's just there's not one in this class yeah I mean Seattle's got what two pick 40 41 I guarantee that's probably a quarterback with one of those if they were there if they're there at that point which I assume they will be one the most of those guys I mean I, I mean I still would say that we're only gonna get two first rounders right I mean are you on that that camp still or you still believe that like the NFL is gonna have the FOMO and, and elevate some of these guys yeah I could I could technically see more like i i wouldn't be surprised like no one should do it um like i i don't i only think one guy should go anyways and even he's a reach but uh not, not as much to reach as the other guys i think willis is the only guy that should go in the first round <laughs> but it sounds like Pickett throughout the whole process is gonna get in the first round yeah it, it does did seem that way but um yeah, that I agree with you. I think well, one guy should. I and like I, if I'm the Lions, I I would take him at two, um, and then I I would not touch like any of these other quarterbacks. It's just they figure it out next year, um, or I would have tried to figure it out last year. Um, that's just kind of like where where we are with this quarterback class, which, which again like makes this draft kind of interesting. Again, like from mm -hmm. from your perspective, maybe not as much again because like there's not as many like quarterbacks uh, to talk about and, and running backs also uh, like we haven't even really touched uh, wide receivers uh, or sorry. We haven't really touched running backs on this show at all because they just, we don't need they, to. yeah. Um, so the only thing that, we've that, said that, definitively is if it's the Falcons or Texans, you do not burn that second plus round capital on a running back at this point. Do not do it. No, just don't it you don't you don't need to. You're you're gonna be all right. Do it do it next year. Um, the Falcons are another one of those teams like at pick forty three, they'll probably take one of these quarterbacks over there. Yeah, I I guess. Um <laughs> I don't know. I don't I don't I really don't know how that helps you. If you're the Falcons, I'd like rather yeah. <laughs> I'd rather try to like take a swing on on like an edge rusher, uh, because you don't have any of those either. Um, and that's probably going to help you more than trying to pray that one of these quarterbacks is going to help you in the second round. Um, 
that's probably uh, much better for, for the long term. Um, so since this is our, our last uh, show before the draft, do you have any more uh, draft takes that you need to get off your chest? Uh, no, man. Like I said, I'm just ready for it to kind of get here, ready to see how the top of the draft really kind of falls out. All the smokescreen stuff kind of be, you know, illuminated. And then if we do get any other, you know, I'm waiting to see the, the veteran draft trades. I will say, like, there are probably some potential for some guys to still get, you know, moved in, in the draft as well. You know, I think you're, you're following this James Bradbury stuff. Uh, like, I mean, if I'm the Buccaneers, I'm, I'm getting James Bradbury if I can. Like, why not? You got Tom Brady for one year. Like, just, just go nuts. Like, yeah, uh, <laughs> not, not sure if that works because I, I think you need a slot guy, right? You just re-signed Carlton Davis. Uh, Jamel Dean, I think, is slightly better than Carlton Davis. I don't know if that's a hot take. Um, but Jamel Dean is, is really good. Um, and then you, you have the slot issue um there with uh Sean I mean, those Buckley. guys are all good he's, enough put someone in there <laughs> there you go um but yeah uh, there there are still some some players who are going to get traded still like uh, i think we're probably not going to see more signings before the draft but like right after like again oh, like, yeah. we've been talking about where's tyron matthew going to go for the past um you know like four weeks now um so uh, there's there's still a lot of things to, to go on and then like you know, there's still 90 wide receivers um, in the NFL who could request a trade um, from now until the draft. So uh, we, we will uh, be covering that as it happens. So um, again, uh, we'll have a, a draft show on, on Monday with uh, Warren, Brian McChrystal, Brandon Donahue, uh, who have been doing all most of the draft coverage uh, for us on sharpfootballanalysis.com. Um we are going to have a, a Twitter spaces, whether that ends up being on this feed or not, is still uh, to be determined. Uh, but we will be doing that on, on Monday night with like the whole crew of sharp football analysis. So uh, join us then uh, keep an eye out for that. Uh, and Rich and I will be back on, on Friday recapping the first round of the draft. Uh, you can read all of our stuff on sharpfootballanalysis.com. You can uh, follow Rich on Twitter at Lord Reeves. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Pizzuta. Thank you guys for listening. We will talk to you. Next time.